and all to him. Wonderful. Take your Bibles, please. Turn over to Ephesians chapter number six. Ephesians chapter number six. Brother Caleb came up with a pretty good name for y'all. The Gen Z three. <laughs> but that just smells like Hillsong and Bethel. So I don't think, I don't think we're doing that. That just, I don't know. That just, whew. That's fog machines right there and strobe lights all over that Gen, Gen Z3. It's pretty creative though. I don't want to risk it. I don't want to open the door. No, I'm just messing with y'all. Where are we at? Ephesians 6. This will be the third message in the series. We've been looking at this rules of engagement and um, I'm not sure how many more we're, we're going we're gonna to preach, but we're going to preach till we get finished. How's that? Um, when you find your place, you should be there by now. Stand with me, please. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness. In high places, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Father, help us tonight, I pray. As we continue to drill down on these verses and just dissect them and look at them, I pray that our church would be strengthened as a result of this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. I don't have time to recap the previous two messages. I don't even have it in front of me. The first message was more or less just an introduction type message to this whole subject of the fact that we are in a battle, we're in a war. Uh, Brother Chad Watson sent me a little video clip this morning of Brother Lester Roloff singing that song. Um, uh, he said, uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a battlefield, not a recreation room. And uh, he had that Brother Lester Roloff singing that song. Run if you want to, run if you will. But I came here to stay, I think it's what it was. And uh, got me fired up before Sunday school this morning. But it's definitely we're in a war, we're in a battle. Yeah. There's no question about that. And I think that's pretty much what the first message was about. The second message a few weeks ago was really based out of base, verse number 10, where we talked about the power to engage. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we spent an entire message focusing on the fact that you and I cannot fight this battle without God. We need the Lord. We need his power. We need his help. And uh, I hope and pray that you understand that and you believe that. If you try to fight these battles alone, you're going to be defeated every single time. You and I are no match for the devil. But then tonight, we're going to pick back up with about verse number 11, see how far we get. Uh, I, I know I'm not going to be able to finish the message, but that's fine. I can at least set it up for next time around. But we're going to look tonight at part three on the preparation to engage. And I want to just give you three or four things from these verses starting with verse number 11. Let's jump right into the outline tonight. I want to start with the fact that there is a strategic approach in these verses. It's found in verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Let's just stop right there. The rules of engagement allows the believer to suit up. Amen. 
I like that sound. We don't have to engage the enemy without defenses. We don't have to enter into the battle in a position of vulnerability. God has given us what we need in order to fight this battle. God never intended for us to walk onto the battlefield vulnerable. Most Christians have no idea what it means to live the Christian life with a strategic approach to their life. I said it before, said it years ago, a lot of Christians are just like a dead stick floating down the stream, bumping into whatever. They have absolutely no idea what they're doing. I don't believe God wants us to live our life that way. In fact, I know he didn't. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we find this in the verse number 11, a strategic approach to this battle that we are in. Three subpoints I want to give you just out of verse number 11. First of all, I want you to notice that this involves a deliberate act. The verse starts out, put on, put on. That's an imperative statement. Tells us what we should do. Put on. All right, this is something, by the way, this is something you must do. Parents cannot put on armor for their children. Children cannot put on armor for their siblings. The pastor cannot put armor on you as a church member, no more than you can put the armor on me as a pastor. I got to wake up in the morning and I got to put the armor on. You can't do that for me. And I can't do that for you. It is, a, it is a deliberate act. It is something that you do on purpose. It is a conscious act that you do. Every believer must put on. The problem with a lot of Christians living in defeat is they're not taking the time to put on. They're leaving the house unarmed. They're walking onto the battlefield without having their gear. It is a deliberate act. It is something that you do on purpose. Just like you get up in the morning and you get dressed and you pick out your shoes and you pick out your clothes and you put them on. That's what you and I must do every day in this spiritual battle. Put on. It's a deliberate act. And it's not going to happen accidentally. And what you had on yesterday won't work for tomorrow. You got to put it on every day. Is everybody still with me? It's, it's just right here in the text. A deliberate act. The armor is available, by the way. But you got to put it on. It's there. Not only is there a deliberate act in this verse, but there is a divine arsenal. A divine arsenal. The armor of God. Now, this is important. Because you and I have armor and we have weapons and God has weapons. There's a big difference. <laughs> See, we, we think we know what we're doing. I was able to shoot a deer on my birthday. Y'all were just knowing that was going to come up in a message somewhere at some time. <laughs> but I have told enough messages and the stories about all the deer I missed, Brother Roth. Feels good to say I got one. There is a dead deer on the ground. Amen. And it's beautiful. It's, it's not the biggest monster deer anybody's ever shot, but it's the biggest one I've ever shot. 
And I'm excited about it. But I'm really excited about the one before that that I missed. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't laugh at me. I didn't miss it. My gun misfired. Brother Roth, <laughs> could, could you have grown any louder? You shot my illustration to smithereens. I got a witness. The man that was in the shooting house with me is here. Was it not a monster? Did I not throw down on it with the muzzle loader? Did I not squeeze the trigger? What happened? It went pow. Like pow. The deer just looked at me like, what do you think you're doing? And get the other gun, get the other gun, get the other gun. Because we have another gun for such a situation as that. But we were like, it was so big, the deer was. We were like, and by the time we got the other deer over there, the deer just walked right into the woods. It's like, that's what happens when you fight with your weapons. More often than not, you're just going to get a misfire. I got this, I got this, I got this. You're laying on the ground. What happened? Wrong weapons. That's a pretty good illustration. To just kind of weave that in there. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says. Verse 3 down through verse number 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. See, it's hard for us. It's hard for us to separate what we want to do in a situation with what God said do. Because we walk in the flesh, so guess what we do? We think in the flesh. Don't look at me that way. I've seen you driving on the beltway, laying on your horn. Swerving around cars. Flashing your lights. If they drive slower than us, they're crazy. If they drive faster than us, they're crazy. If they're driving in our lane, they're crazy. If they're behind us, they're crazy. Let's just be honest. Everybody's crazy but us. We are in the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And then Paul puts in parentheses, the Holy Spirit puts in parentheses, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We're talking about a divine arsenal. We're talking about the armor of God, not our armor. We walk out of the house armed up with our armor enough. It's time we leave our armor in the closet and put on the armor of God and engage in the battle with a strategic approach, understanding verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 10, casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's a pretty... It's pretty stringent criteria. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You and I cannot fight until we're obedient to God. And having, let me read the verse again. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Here's the problem. 
A lot of times we get the devil in us trying to get him out of somebody else. <laughs> Our weapons are out of a divine arsenal. Okay, I like this rules of engagement series, Pastor. I like this fighting messages. I like these warfare messages. Do you like the divine arsenal part? Or do you just like fighting? There's a deliberate act. There's a divine arsenal. By the way, I'm preaching to myself. Some people don't like to fight. Some people run from a fight. Some people's stomach knots up and turns at a fight. I will fight a chainsaw. I don't care. I need this message if nobody else does. We need to fight God's way. Not just fight for the sake of fighting. Amen. There needs to be a strategic approach. We need to understand what we're doing and have a reason for it. And we need to make sure that the weapons that we're fighting with are of God. There's a deliberate act in this verse, in verse 11. There's a divine arsenal in verse number 11. But we skipped over a very important part. And that is, thirdly, in this verse, there is a dedicated acquisition. Stay with me. Put on the, what's the next word? Whole armor of God. Oh, my goodness. In other words, we can't just grab one or two pieces of armor and run out the door. We need to make sure we put it all on. Twice in these verses, it says it in verse 11, and it says it again at the beginning of verse number 13. Both times, it doesn't just say use the armor of God. It says put on the whole armor of God. We need every piece of it. Every piece of it. That is if you want to overcome. That is if you want to win. If you want to defeat the enemy. If you want to come home alive. If you don't want to be a statistic, we need to take the time, have a strategic approach in this battle, and make sure that we understand the importance of every piece of the armor. Put on the whole armor of God. Christian life is not a half-hearted commitment. This battle calls for putting on all the armor, the whole armor. The problem with a lot of Christians is they stop short of achieving success because they stop short of putting on the armor. Then, well, I got one piece, I got two pieces. Yeah, but you need all of it. It all goes together. They fail to implement the tools that God has made available. Which brings us to our next point. Not only is there a strategic approach in these verses, but secondly, we see a superior advantage. Notice what it says in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Understand this, church. I've said it before. We're going to keep saying it. We do not have any excuse for living a defeated Christian life. None whatsoever. Over and over in scriptures, we've been promised that we have been given the superior advantage. That's clear in multiple verses. One of the verses that was read or touched on or preached from during the Jubilee was Isaiah 54, verse number 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. 
And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. You say, well, that verse is given to the nation of Israel. It's given to the Jews. Are you a child of God? Are you a servant of the Lord? Ephesians chapter number six was written to the church. And it tells us twice in these verses that we are able to stand and able to withstand. We have been given a superior advantage. In fact, in one place, the apostle Paul said uh, not uh, uh, to, to be careful, lest Satan should get an advantage. We can give him the advantage and he only gets the advantage when we give it to him. We have the advantage. Because we've got God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Over and over and over, our Bible's filled with verses that talks about this advantage that we have. Psalm 47, verse 1, 2, and 3. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us. The nations under our feet. Romans 8, 37 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, I write unto you fathers because you've known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. Verse 14, I've written unto you fathers because you've known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you young men because you're strong and the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Over and over and over we are told. Not to mention in Matthew 16, 18 where Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have we have a superior advantage. And if you don't believe that, you can go back and read Job chapter one real slow where the devil had to ask God for permission just to touch Job. And he was an Old Testament saint. That's right. God said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, yeah, but I can't get to him. You've got a wall up around him. You've got a hedge around about him. God said, well, we'll move that hedge. Have at him. What am I saying? I'm saying the devil can't touch you. The devil can't touch me. We have an advantage. But if we enter into the battle with half our armor on or none of it on, that's a foolish thing to do. God has given us everything that we need. In fact, 1 Peter says this, God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. So we have a superior advantage. But then thirdly in these verses, we see a sobering admonition. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let's just stop right there for just a second. Everybody in here needs to hear this part of it. It is absolutely essential that we do not forget this. Our enemy is not other people. That's not our enemy. The devil would love nothing more than for us to forget this sober admonition and spend all of our time fighting people and completely get distracted from who the real enemy is. 
Don't fall into the trap. Listen to me. Don't fall into the trap of fighting with people. We live in a day and age where we have a lot of keyboard warriors. And their idea of fighting the good fight is blowing up somebody's comment section under a post on Facebook. I hate to break it to you, but you're wasting your time. Literally, it's a waste of time. Not only are you not going to change anybody, you're not going to change anybody. You say, well, I've, I've changed somebody. No, you hadn't. They just got tired. You outtyped them. You lasted longer. They waved the white flag and went to bed. You didn't win. <laughs> Me and my brother-in-law used to work together. David Young, we used to work together. And man, he's probably one of my closest friends in the whole world. And we were friends before I married his sister. We've just been friends all these years, but we worked together in construction and invariably there would be things that we argued about. And if you know David Young, David Young don't hold back. And if you know Stacy Shiflett, Stacy Shiflett don't hold back. So it was, it got on a couple of times. We going down the road arguing about something and I just say, whatever. I'm tired. I ain't got time for it. He just keep on going. I said, you didn't win. I'm just tired. You didn't win. I'm just too tired to argue anymore. <laughs> David liked to antagonize. I know you didn't know that about him, but he liked to antagonize. And I did too. We, we antagonize each other. We've gotten right with God since then. But <laughs> we were going down the road one day. He popped in the tape of this woman singing. It was so nerve wracking. It was unbelievable. It sounded like opera. It was gospel, but it was opera. It was like, oh. And I, I made the mistake of saying, man, that's, that's nerve-wracking. Oh, he just kept playing the tape. <laughs> Got to the end, flipped it over, popped it in. Oh, this woman's saying, we're going down the road. We, we live an hour from the, from the job. I'm not listening to this, both sides of this tape. I said, I'm sick of listening to that woman. And he said, I like it. I said, I don't like it. I like it. I said, I'll buy it from you right now. I'll give you $10 for that tape. It ain't for sale. I said, I'll give you $15 for that stupid tape right now. It's not for sale. I reached in my pocket. I pulled out a $20 bill. Now, this was a long time ago. I pulled out a $20 bill. I said, I'll give you $20 for that tape right now. He snatched it out of my hand. I hit the eject button. I grabbed the tape, rolled the window down, and threw it up in the middle of the field. He said, I can't believe you did that. I said, I'm sick of that tape. So somewhere in a cow field between Warrington and Sparta, Cows are stepping on a tape of some sweet woman singing, bless her heart. He said, I'm going to take this money and buy another one. I said, no, you're not. But here's what I'm saying. The devil would love nothing more to just consume your time wrestling against flesh and blood. And that's not our problem. When I first got to South Africa as a missionary, I've, I was playing around on, on the computer. I was trying to build our family a website. And in the process of on, on the internet and everything, which internet was pretty new back in 2001. There wasn't a whole lot on there. But there was what they call, I don't know if it still exists today. There was a fighting fundamentalist forum. That was the name of it. And when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, I like this. Woo. 
And I started listening on, I, I, I signed up, got a login password, and I'm looking at all these threads and all these people debating all this stuff. I mean, everything. Was, some of the stuff was pretty neat. Some of it was just dumb. You know, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? One guy was like, yeah, because when God got finished creating, he said, you're done and you're done. Uh, they had belly buttons. I don't People argue about everything. And I'd post something on there and they'd go, they'd, they'd, boy, there'd go. They'd start this thread of just debate and arguing. And I found myself getting caught up in that. And boy, I'm studying my Bible because, oh yeah, this, this verse is going to get them. And I, boy, I'd type that verse in there and I'm like, yeah, I got them. And then they'd, then they'd come out and I'd, like, mm. and I'd just, I, I'd be up till two o'clock in the morning. I did that for about, no lie, I did that for about six weeks. And one day the Holy Ghost slapped me upside the head and said, what are you doing? Did you not read the Bible? What it says about debating? Wow. By the way, debate is right in there with a whole bunch of really bad stuff. Let me, let, let me, let me show you something. 2 Timothy 2. This might help somebody. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. We're talking about don't fall into the trap of fighting with people. They're not our problem. Look at what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to see this. Some of y'all need to underline this verse. Some of you need to embroider it and put it on a pillow and lay it right on your couch where you see it when you come in from work. Chapter 2 of 2 Timothy Verse number 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. Different kind of gender than what we're talking about today in our normal words. But that's, that, that it, 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 it stirs up strifes. And the servant of the Lord, verse 24, must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Apt to teach, patient. Preached about the patience of God this morning, didn't we? About his forbearance and his long suffering. Look at verse 25. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. See, here's what you don't see. They're not opposing you. They're opposing themselves. That's what the Bible says. If God peradventure, or perhaps, or maybe, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So guess what? The person you're arguing with has the same enemy you do. But somehow or another, you've forgotten who the enemy is, and now you're arguing with each other, which is just another tactic of the devil. That person is held captive by the devil if they're living in error, if they're living in false doctrine or whatever the case might be. The Bible says that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. They're not your enemy. The devil is. The devil is their enemy. That they think you're their enemy. And if you're not careful, you'll think they are your enemy, but you're both wrong. So next time you go to that family reunion, you got that one Karen. And everybody's got one. They call them Karen. 
That's that person that always wants to argue. I don't know where it came from, but that's what the people call them. That one, and it can be a male. It can be a male Karen. <laughs> it can be your uncle or your brother, and they just want to argue. Don't. Don't. And you know what you say? I love you. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you. This is what I believe. This is the way our family believes. This is how we're going to live our life. Can we just eat the turkey and dressing and leave the fighting out of it? Because sitting there arguing with them and debating with them is not productive. It's really, it's unbiblical. In fact, here's what Paul told Timothy. Are you ready for this? He said, a heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject. Admonish them once, twice at the most, and then just leave it. Is that not what the Bible says? See, here's, here's the sobering admonition is we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And most people, when you think about fighting the good fight of faith, somebody's face or name comes to mind. You're missing it. You're missing it. Best thing you can do is just ignore them. I get stuff a lot of times on my, on my social media and I ignore it 99.999% of the time. Every now and then, I will respond with, could you please explain what you're saying? Because I'm thinking maybe they didn't take the time to say it the way they meant to, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And then I let them make a massive fool of themselves. I'm like, okay, just leave that up there for everybody to see. But I'm not going to argue with them. Because it's pointless, and it's unbiblical. Are y'all getting this? It creates, here's what it does. It creates a contentious strifeful spirit. I know people that walk around with their spiritual fist balled up waiting for somebody to say something. I'm not living my life that way. I'm not living my life that way looking for somebody to argue with and debate with. And trust me, there's plenty of them out there. And so what I do to help myself is I just don't even follow those people. That way, if I pick my phone up and I'm scrolling through it, I don't have to see their stupidity and their nonsense. I just, I don't even look at it. I don't even want to know about it. And sometimes people will screenshot and say, did you see this? I'm like, no, I didn't see it. I didn't see it for a reason. Because now you know got me worked up. But I'm not going to jump on social media and attack this person because they are not my enemy. And the devil would love nothing more than to get us embroiled and entangled. In, in, in this nonsense. The enemy's over there, not right here. Keep a clear head. Stay focused. Put on the whole armor of God and recognize that they are in the snare of the devil. They've been taken captive by him at his will in most cases. And they're not the ones we're supposed to be fighting. Let me give you one more. We'll touch on this. We'll come back, expound on this fourth one. Next time around, there's no way I can get it all in the message tonight. But number four, we see in these verses a satanic adversary. Multiple times in these verses in Ephesians chapter number six, we are clearly, we're clearly told who our battle is with. It says at the end of verse number 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil. That's our, that's our enemy. Let me, let me clarify what I'm saying. There's a difference 
in standing and fighting against apostasy and fighting with apostates. There's a difference. And I have to ask God to help me find that balance. When I get up in the pulpit, I want to stand on principles, stand against principles, and not get up here and make it personal. Just preach in broad statements and preach the truth and let the chips fall where they lay. I don't have to get up here when I'm preaching on apostasy and name every apostate that I know of. I'm going to leave a bunch of them out and I might call somebody apostate that's not one. But I can preach against apostasy as bold as anybody. The falling away. Are y'all with me? Compromise. Compromise. Well, my definition of compromise may be different from another good preacher's definition of compromise. Just because he don't stand where I stand on something doesn't necessarily mean he is a compromiser. But I can preach against compromise and just preach on the principle of compromise and I'm clear. Amen. That's taking the high road. That's not taking, that's not, that's not taking the easy way out. I believe it's taking the biblical way out. Now, Jesus, when he was preaching, he had to deal with the Pharisees. And man, he blew them out of the water. But they were standing right there telling him that he was a child of the devil. There was no question who he was talking to because they were there. And every now and then, the apostle Paul would name names. He told Timothy in one place, he said, you need to watch out for Alexander the coppersmith. He did me much evil. You need to watch out for him. Be thou aware of him. Or he greatly withstood our words. That was a heads up. But I don't think for one second that the Apostle Paul spent all day down there arguing with Alexander the coppersmith. Our, our enemy is the devil. Our enemy is Satan. That's what it says in verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darts of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. We'll break that down a little bit more in the next message, but I wanted to just touch on that tonight. We need to understand a crucial, vital piece of information. We're up against the devil. That's who we're fighting against. This, this rules of engagement, our battle is with the demons and devils of hell, not with people around us. Now, if they want to do his bidding and they want to be pawns in his hand and be a source of discouragement or a a, a source of distraction, that's up to them. We just need to have wisdom about understanding who our real enemy is. Sometimes I'll put something out trying to just be a blessing, trying to be an encouragement. Somebody will text me, who was that that to? It was to whoever it applies to. I'm not that petty. If I was going to say something to somebody, I would call them personally and say it over the phone or go see them and say it. I wouldn't take, I wouldn't take pot shots from behind my keyboard. I, I, I've got more guts than that, more character than that. But that's the way people think. They think every time you say something, it's to somebody. Well, you know what? Prove them wrong by not every time you say something that being to somebody. Fighting with people. We don't have to dot every I and cross every T to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. You get, if you, listen, if you're not careful, you're going to back yourself in the corner you can't get out of. You're not going to be able to talk to anybody. 
And I hate to break it to you, but God can use people that don't think like you and me. Now I have to I have to sleep at night. I have to have a clear conscience, and I've I've got a way that I believe God wants things done. And I'm going to stand before God for what I do and what nobody else does. I'm very grateful for that. I'm not going to stand before God for what any how any other pastor pastors his church. I got my hands full right here, keeping this man right with God and leading my family and pastoring this church to tell a bunch of other people how to do their job. But I can tell you this, the devil is succeeded with a lot of people in getting them so distracted from the battle. They're just consumed with personalities and people and they're missing the big picture and the devil's just sitting back laughing because while you're fighting and arguing with them, you're not fighting him. And when you're arguing with them and you're fighting with them and you're debating them and you're poking at them and calling them names... You're not making a difference for the kingdom of God. Amen. Sometimes the best thing you can say to somebody is nothing. Amen. Just smile, nod, praying for you, and just go on about doing what God called you to do. And many times what you'll do is you'll demonstrate true Christian character, and they'll take a step back when they cool off, and they might actually think about something you said. But they're not going to listen to you if you're down in the mud wrestling with them. I don't remember who said this. I'll say this and I'm done. Some real normal man of God said this. He said, he who slings mud loses ground. If you're slinging mud, you're losing ground. Amen. Hope that helps somebody. Put on the whole armor of God. You've got to get up in the morning and put it on. We'll get into the details of the armor in, the, in, the, in a message later, but later on. But go home and read those verses. Put on the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Father, we thank you tonight.